Good evening, Australia, and hello to the rest of the world. My name is Meryl Dory, and I'm coming to you from Under the Wire, your home for censored and suppressed information about vaccinations and health. Excuse me for being a little distracted. I was just trying to start the stream on Telegram. I have no idea if it worked. I'm learning so many new things all the time. So hopefully this is going out to Facebook and to Rumble and to Odyssey live and also to Twitter. So hello to everyone who is joining us from wherever you're coming from. And I'm very happy to see you here. Uh, tonight, I may have bitten off a little bit more than I can chew, <laughs> sadly. Uh, I decided that I wanted to do a show on monkeypox, but I couldn't do monkeypox without also talking about why I believe it is that we are seeing the new pandemic we have to have. Good evening, Karen. Good to see you. And thank you for letting me know you're joining from Facebook. Um, that's great. So it just seems to me that the, we needed a little bit of background information before we go into the whole monkeypox rubbish. Uh, good morning, Rhea from Maryland. Good to see you. And Le Leanne, good to see you too. Um, so yeah, everybody's joining, which is wonderful. Thank you so much for coming in. So tonight we're going to have probably a fairly long show, but if you are joining from our AVN Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash avn.org.au, then just above where Under the Wire is now live streaming, there is another link that I've put in that has a link to a, a folder on WeTransfer that has all of the documents and videos that I'll be referring to in tonight's show and probably more because chances are I will have to... Um, leave some of the things out. And um, yeah, thank you everyone. Hello. I'm sorry I can't say hello to everybody because I lose track very easily. I'm easily distracted. So there's a link to that folder, that WeTransfer folder. And there is also a link. Uh, hi, Deb. Good to see you. There is also a link to um, where you can book to come and see the Vaxxed Bus or to tell your story on the Vaxxed Bus. And I will talk about that a bit at the very end. But I just want to, um, yes, Karen Kingston did a fantastic uh, update on the monkeypox. I haven't watched it myself yet. I've got to. I really need to um, make some time to sit down and just watch videos. I do tend to speed them up so that I can get through them really quickly. But I know Karen Kingston has been doing some fantastic work. And um, she was on Jane Ruby's show recently talking about monkeypox, and she was also on the wonderful Maria Z, uh, our own Australian Maria Z show, talking about monkeypox. So I definitely think that everybody should be watching that. But I want to talk to you about first COVID, where we are with COVID, and then go into why we are looking at having a new pandemic of monkeypox um, in Australia and around the world. So hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, the first thing I want to talk about is the fact that in Australia, um, we are being told every day by health authorities, by the media, by the government, that the COVID jabs have done a wonderful job at protecting Australians from morbidity, <laughs> sorry, morbidity and mortality from COVID. Uh, and that they are, you know, the best things since sliced bread. 
But what the government and the media and the authorities are saying is not at all what's actually happening on the ground. And that is what we're seeing now. This is a substack that came out recently. It's Metatron. And if you don't follow Metatron, um, I highly recommend that you do. Uh, and it's metatron.substack.com. And um, he just wrote an article, this is about a week ago, uh, saying Australia begins to reap what it's sown and it's grim. And it is grim because what he's done is he's looked at what's called excess mortality or excess death. So every year there might be a baseline that comes out and that is the expected number of deaths. It varies from year to year, a percentage point up or a percentage point down. Interestingly, before we had the COVID jab, excess mortality was down substantially in Australia. And, you know, the government was saying it was due to masks and quarantines and all the other ridiculous unscientific measures they were using. But regardless of that fact, that it might be related in some way to that, which I don't see because it should have kept going once the jab came out, since we were still social distancing, masking and quarantining. Um, what happened after the jab is that we saw a huge increase in excess mortality. Now this graph is, um, just trying to read it, it starts in January 2020. I do have my glasses here, I may need to use them, hang on. Starts in January 2020 and it finishes up on uh, the 27th of February 2020, 2022. And these are all ages and both sexes. Um, and what he shows is the bottom line, I don't know if that's blue or green, but a dark line at the bottom is uh, all deaths from COVID. And the red line is deaths from all causes. So you can see deaths from COVID are fairly well flat until interestingly, probably that's about the time that the booster started to come out, we started to see an increase in deaths from COVID. And right now deaths from COVID have gone through the roof. But when the vaccinations or the experimental genetic modification injections started, we see an almost immediate and incredibly uh, almost exponential growth in mortality. And excess mortality in Australia as of April of this year was up over 20%. Now, um, there was a, uh, I forget what they call it, the people who work for insurance companies and do all of this research, there's a name for it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Tracy, Tracy said, I'm so glad the sticker on the floor in the supermarket saved my life, sarcasm. Absolutely, where would you be without that sticker? You'd probably be dead. But um, actu actuarial, I forget what, there's a name for it. Anyway, the people who work for the insurance company, they said that you can expect on a year-to-year -year basis up to a 10% fluctuation in excess mortality over what's expected. Um, anything more than 10% and you are looking at a plague, a flood, a natural disaster, something that kills large numbers of people um, and we know the reason because we actually see those things. In the United States last year, um, sorry, not last year, in 2021, they had a greater than 40% increase in excess mortality 
in underwriters. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Tracy. It's an underwriter. Um, they had a greater than 40% increase in mortality in the 18 to, I think it was 65 year age group. So that, that's the age group that is not really expected to die. They're generally the healthier people um, getting up to the age of 65. You might start having some health issues, but still those age groups are the ones that you would generally not expect to see a large increase in deaths. And yet that's what they saw. And it looks like 2021 and 20, sorry, 2022 could be even worse. So we are looking at a huge, huge increase in deaths following the administration of these vaccines. This is very hard for me to read. But again, all of these documents are in that we transfer folder that is linked above this um, broadcast. So I'm just trying to see. Um, all-cause mortality, the older age groups, every age group, every single age group, every sex um, goes up after the jabs, except, interestingly, um, I think women. I'm pretty sure that this one here, the top right, um, is women. I wish I could read that. But um, what he said was that there was a delay in in getting the, the vaccine out to women, um, and therefore we had a delay in the mortality. It is, it is exactly correlated. And sometimes, you know what? Correlation does equal causation. And um, this is exactly what we've been seeing. Here we go. This is the 45 to 64. Conversely, the women seem to have a little spike February to May 2020 when COVID was pandemic before also declining in the run-up to mass vaccination. So this is where he talks about why the effect in women um, is different. And he says, in the absence of any better quality data from the expert public health authorities, I'm going to have a stab at an explanation. There are substantially, okay, it was actually the opposite of what I said, uh, substantially more female healthcare workers, especially in care homes, they would have been targeted earlier. That's why they had the earlier spike than most men did. And that's what he's saying. There's no information on that, but he is saying that basically um, we are seeing a huge increase in all-cause mortality, deaths from all causes, and nobody in the government is even talking about this. Nobody in the government is saying maybe what's changed in this time is the fact that we're giving an experimental jab and telling people that they have to take it. Uh, Maybe that could be it, but the government doesn't want to know. So we have a government by people who are, in so many cases, submoronic. I mean, this article, um, it just came out, and it's from Nine News. Uh, more than 30 COVID-19 deaths in two states. So there was an article that came out last week. I think I covered this. I may have covered it on my Substack and not on Under the Wire. But there were something like 360 some odd deaths Australia-wide that were said to be due to COVID over a seven-day period, 88 of them just over a weekend. Now, before the jab came in over an entire 12-month period, there were less than a thousand deaths, and we had 360 some odd in one week with a supposed vaccination rate of about 90-something percent. 
So what is going on? Why are we seeing so many um, increases in deaths? But what really got to me on this article is on page two. Um, what they're saying is that mouth-to-mouth uh, -mouth ventilation, where a rescuer presses their mouth against the patient's mouth and blows air into their lungs, um, is an integral part of life support. And now they're saying that you can give mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation while wearing a mask and that the mask will protect you from COVID infection and protect the person who you're giving CPR to. Now, if, if you can push oxygen through that mask, then you can push viruses, bacteria, all sorts of pathogens through that mask as well. Follow the science does not mean follow the morons. And whoever says this is a moron. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That is the most unscientific thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And if someone is not going to give mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation because they're afraid of catching COVID, and at this point, most healthcare workers who would be giving this would have been jabbed several times, then not only are they totally showing that they don't trust the COVID jab to protect them, but they're showing that they care more about their health than they do about helping other people. Um, it reminds me of that... Uh, that school shooting in the United States that just took place and the police stood outside for an hour and a half without going in to save the children because they were afraid they would get shot. Now, I would never want to be a policeman. I never want to put myself in that position. But what if we extrapolate that further and say, well, firemen shouldn't go into burning buildings because they might get burnt, um, that even if there's someone in there that needs rescuing. I have seen firemen over the years do all kinds of amazing things. And if you have a healthcare worker who doesn't want to give mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation and would rather see someone die, they're in the wrong profession. They are really in the wrong profession. Now, um, last Friday, Australian time, um, myself and Katie, um, who is the legal advisor for the AVN, were on under the um, were on the high wire. Dell Big Trees, the high wire. Dell was wonderful. He was helping us to raise awareness and funds for our court case uh, against the Department of Health in Australia. And just prior to our segment, Dr. Naomi Wolf was on. Um, she has a fantastic website. I think it's called Cloud Hub. It's not called Cloud Hub. Daily Clout, sorry, Daily Clout. And um, she has been around for a very long time. She was involved in the administrations, the, the, you know, the federal administration in the United States under the Clinton years. And uh, she's only recently, probably in the last few years, come to really question what's going on. And for those of you who don't know, Pfizer has been forced under a freedom of information request by ICANN. Um, that's the, the organization, the legal organization that Dell Bigtree and Robert Kennedy uh, Jr. started uh, to actually release the information on the safety and effectiveness of their jabs. They wanted to take 75 years to do it. The Food and Drug Administration wanted them to take 75 years to do it, but they're going to have to have released everything, I think, by the end of this year. And they have thousands and thousands of documents, tens of thousands of documents that have come out. 
and it's too much for any one person to actually look through and find information on. So um, what Naomi Wolf did is she put out an appeal for people who could help to analyze the data that Pfizer had put out. And at that, this point, she has over 3,000 scientists, doctors, lawyers, uh, and just plain you know, civilian researchers who are helping her to look through this information. Um, she and Steve Bannon, The War Room, uh, if you haven't watched that, it's a good watch also, have, com have combined forces to do this. And what they're finding out is shocking. And what they're finding out is information that Pfizer has hidden from the public, but the Food and Drug Administration in the United States was perfectly well aware of it. And because the Food and Drug Administration in the U.S. knew about it, the Therapeutic Goods Administration, or the TGA in Australia, also knew about it. So we are looking at a situation where our health authorities have colluded with a pharmaceutical company to hide information which is um, which could possibly have saved the lives of Australians, of Americans, of innocent people all around the world. Uh, what she's found, and I'm not going to go through this whole document, it's nine pages long, but I want to uh, go over two points. One is that she found that the information showed that before the jab was, was even used in a widespread basis, they knew that it didn't work. Um, and that information was hidden. So they said that COVID, in other words, what the vaccine was supposed to prevent was one of the major side effects of getting jabbed. But in addition, um, there has been what is called a baby die-off, which is just the most horrendous thing you can possibly imagine. Um, so what, what they found is pregnant women were excluded from the pre-licensure, the pre-EUA, because of course they're not licensed, from the pre-EUA trial. So when they were testing these things for safety and efficacy, they excluded pregnant women. When the governments around the world said that pregnant women were perfectly, you know, within their, within their health rights of getting these jabs, that they were perfectly safe, that was based on a study in 44 rats. Not one human was tested, only rats were tested. But what happened was that they found, I'm, I could be on the wrong page, they found that 260 some odd people, sorry, 270 women got pregnant after getting the jab in the pre-approval trials. And somehow, somehow, even though this was a trial that they were running to, in, in order to jab people all around the world, um, they lost 230 out of the 270 people, which is incredibly, um, incredibly careless when you think about it. Uh, but of the 36 women who they didn't lose, 28 lost their babies. That is a shockingly high number of deaths in pregnancy. Uh, we also have babies who died from breastfeeding mothers who got the jab. So it is genocide when it is definitely genocide. And people who say that it's not are not looking at the actual information. Um, the United States has seen a greater than 40% decline in fertility since the jab started. And they were already down by 25% since the Gardasil vaccine came out. 
Um, and it's not just vaccination that has an effect on, on fertility, but vaccination has a huge effect on fertility. And these jabs are intended. As far as I'm concerned, they knew about this. They knew that it was going to cause miscarriages. They knew that the mRNA, um, within a matter of hours after getting jabbed, it is concentrating in the ovaries, in the testes, in the reproductive organs of the body. Um, so they knew about this. I highly recommend that everyone read this. I highly recommend that you subscribe to Naomi Wolf's uh, Substack and that you watch all of her uh, videos if you possibly can. She's done quite a few videos. She's a brilliant woman. So we have all of this information starting to come out. Dr. Stephanie Seneff, who I interviewed about, I don't know, eight months ago, she linked a long time ago prion diseases like Creutzfeldt-Jakob, mad cow disease in humans, uh, with the receipt of these COVID-19 jabs. And now um, it is coming out in the mainstream scientific publications that misfolded prions, which is basically the scientific name for what happens in the brain when um, you get these jabs and what causes things like SSPE, subacute sclerosing panencephalitis, and Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease, um, that these diseases are being increasingly seen in people who've gotten the jabs, and these are incurable. People who get these diseases will die slow deaths where they will lose themselves completely, and they will need to be cared for 24-7. So this is what we're seeing in the jabs, and it is becoming more and more difficult to cover this information up. This is another thing that came out of the data release. Remember I said that um, we found that the vaccine didn't work? Well, there is a 12% efficacy, 12% from people who got the jab, and this 12% efficacy only lasts for about a week. So. If you want um, a jab that's going to protect you for a week, go ahead and take it. If you don't, and I don't even know how they know that it protects you. They're looking at different things in your blood. They're not actually looking at whether or not you get sick. Um, in order to get an emergency use authorization uh, or, in Australia, a provisional approval, two things have to be shown. One, that there is a real emergency, that we need this thing brought out because it's we need to save lives. Lives are going to be lost if we don't use this. That's never been shown with COVID in any country around the world. The other thing that needed to be shown was a greater than 50% effectiveness. Before the jab was released to the market, they knew that it was only 12% effective. We are governed by criminals who are bought by the most uh, genocidal organizations in the entire world, the pharmaceutical industry. So this information is coming out. And the answer of Pfizer um, to all of this is Paxlovid. Paxlovid is a drug. It's, they call it uh, uh, Pfizer-Mectin, but it's not anything like Ivermectin because Ivermectin actually works and Ivermectin does not cause the huge range of side effects that Paxlovid does. Uh, what they're finding now is that Paxlovid, people who take it, um, are getting what they call rebound COVID. In other words, they're getting it and the symptoms are lasting for longer and they are infectious for a longer time. Now, 
I have to be perfectly honest with you. I'm not going to lie. I don't believe that viruses can make you infectious, okay? But I do believe that the drugs and the vaccines uh, and the genetic modification injections that we're being targeted with can actually make us very sick. And um, I think that what we're seeing is a cover-up of the sickness uh, from the actual jabs themselves and from the drugs that are being given for the jabs. Ivermectin, the more I learn about it, first of all, it was found as a natural product. A Japanese researcher won a Nobel Prize for finding this. It's some kind of a fungus that grows in Japan. It may, may grow in other countries as well. And um, he started using it. He won the Nobel Prize. It was used as an anti-parasitic. Uh, it's been used as a treatment. I only just learned this the other day uh, for, for lice, for head lice. And um, more and more information is coming out that it could actually be used for cancer and for many other things. So this is a miracle drug based on a natural product, and it is being suppressed because if ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, zinc, N-acetylcysteine, all of these other things were being used, A, less people would die, and B, the jabs would never have been able to be used because nobody would want them. So we have more and more people publicly dying or having heart attacks at a young age in healthy people. Um, I don't follow football and especially not AFL, sorry. <laughs> I used to follow NRL a bit, but um, this is Peter Matera. Um, he suffered a heart attack after the introduction of the vaccine mandates and his brother, Philip, who is also a football player, broke the code of silence uh, regarding the adverse reactions to the COVID jab and said that his brother got the heart attack because of the jab. And all these other people who we are seeing every day having heart attacks or dying on the field, it's happening because of the jab. And you don't need to be a genius. You don't need to be Einstein to see that. Um, Here's another one. AFL personal trainer, J Jason, I cannot pronounce his last name, dies of a heart attack. He was running in the hills. He was an incredibly fit person, personal trainer to the um, football players, and he died of a heart attack in the hills. Can it be natural causes? Maybe. When we see it happening hundreds or thousands of times, I think that we might want to look a little deeper and see what's happening. And the thing is, more and more people are looking deeper. And what they're seeing is making them question whether they want to continue with these COVID jabs. Um, here's another one. Woman 31, sorry, woman 31 who went to the gym and walked 10,000 steps a day, she's my hero, dies suddenly in her sleep. The cause of her death was put down to SADS. Sudden Adult Death Syndrome. Did SADS exist before COVID vaccination? Why no, it did not. We had SIDS, Sudden Infant Death um, Syndrome, which is the death of a child under the age of 12 months, and SUDS, Sudden Unexplained Death Syndrome, which is the death of a child over the age of 12 months with no explanation. Now we have SADS. So when we have a situation where people are dying unexpectedly and you don't want people to be asking, 
um, inconvenient questions, inconvenient for the medical industry, the pharmaceutical industry, the media, and the government, you give it a different name. And that happens an awful lot. Um, it happened with polio. It happened with um, so many other diseases. And right now it's happening with the COVID jabs as well. And the fact is that the governments are losing control. They are feeling it slipping through their fingers. Um, you know, here in WA, McGowan is actually opening up his state. Uh, unbelievable. Um, of course, Dictator Dan is, is doubling down, but that's the kind of thing that he does. But uh, yeah, they are evil personified, Lee. I, I agree with you 100%. They are evil, and um, hopefully the wages of evil will be the correct punishment for them, and it will happen before too much longer. So the control is what the government's crave more than anything, more than even money. I mean, money makes them grow, makes them go, but control makes them happy. And as many of you know, there was a meeting um, in Davos, I think it was, for the World Health Organization Treaty, um, and the United States wanted 13 amendments added to the IHR, I forget what it's called, but um, they wanted 13 amendments that would basically, when it came down to it, um, give the World Health Organization absolute control over 194 countries around the world should the World Health Organization declare a pandemic. So tomorrow they can say, oh, we have a pandemic of hangnails. Everyone has to quarantine. Uh, everyone has to wear masks. And it doesn't matter if your country's constitution says that quarantining and wearing masks is wrong and you shouldn't do it. We, as the World Health Organization, now are going to take over your government and we are going to make sure that your constitution no longer has a say in this. Um, we are going to uh, make sure that none of this happens. So the United States was 100% behind this because that's the kind of government they've got right now. Uh, and they probably had that kind of government for a while, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> Hi, Joe Bear. Good to see you. Um, so all of these amendments, had they been passed, they would have taken our sovereignty away. They would have said that the Australian government no longer had a say once a pandemic was declared. Once a pandemic is declared, all bets are off. And that's been going on for a while. I want you to see this. This is from um, the chief medical officer of Australia. Uh, those of you are probably aware that until recently, unjabbed people could not travel outside of Australia or if they were outside of Australia, they couldn't come in. And Paul Kelly, who's the chief medical officer, um, kind of indicated that that was because of health reasons. But recently, I think it was in an estimates hearing, um, Gerard Rennick uh, got Paul Kelly uh, on the ropes a bit and asked him about uh, why do we have to restrict people from traveling freely outside of Australia if they're unvaccinated? I would have thought it would reduce the risk given that there would be fewer people who are unvaccinated in the country, to which Paul Kelly admitted, actually, it is because we are signed up to a treaty called the International Health Regulations. That's the World Health Organization Treaty. And there is a specific component of the Biosecurity Act which addresses that matter about protection for others. 
Um, so it is not health advice. It's because we signed up to a treaty. So already, even before any amendments were coming in, we were following the dictates of the World Health Organization rather than following our own um, pandemic preparedness plan, the PPP. And I have talked about this in the past, how Australia had, I think it was in 2016, uh, gotten its experts together and put together a PPP, a pandemic preparedness pe plan. <laughs> Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers. Um, and in this plan, they looked at things like masking, quarantine, uh, social distancing, uh, forced vaccination, all of these things, and they rejected them all. But when the World Health Organization declared the pandemic, because Australia was a signatory to this treaty, they felt that they had no option but to follow the World Health Organization's lead on this. How amazing that even though we are a signatory to the Nuremberg Code, the government didn't feel a similar need to follow the dictates of the Nuremberg Code one has to wonder why they pick and choose which, um, which codes they're actually going to follow and which ones they won't. So I'm going to play three very short videos of some of the people who were at this meeting in Davos and what they said. I didn't get a copy. I have it on my computer, but I didn't put it up here of a... Um, I think she's an Australian communications minister, if there is such a thing. And she said at this meeting that uh, freedom of speech needs to be looked at again because obviously there is a problem if we have too much freedom of speech. So, uh, you know, these are the real evil dictators who were there. And let me just play these videos for you really quickly, one after another. The idea of checking if people are vaccinated, mm. you know, if you have breakthrough infections, mm. what's the point? It is a basically biological chip that it is in the tablet. And once you take the tablet and dissolves into your stomach, sends a signal that you took the tablet. So imagine the applications of that, the compliance, uh, the insurance companies to know that the medicines that patients should take, they do take them. Uh, it is uh, fascinating what happens in, in uh, this field. It's dropped from $150,000 a genome in 2007 to $600 a genome today. So over a 99% drop in the price, and we've publicly committed to taking it down another 80% the next few years. What that's enabled is us to deploy sequencing around the world. And we've started to see that pay off in a number of ways. Right at the beginning of the pandemic, we were in Wuhan. You know, the uh, first notification to the WHO was on December 31st, 2019. Ten days later, the viral genome was published. We were working in Shanghai on that. And then, you know, uh, Stefan at, Ansel at Moderna talks about the fact that they took that data, so they never had the live virus on their site. They used the genomic data coming off those machines to launch their vaccine development program. And then since then, we've seen sequencing now deployed around the world. Over 190 countries now have, uh, have sequenced a sequencing data on the virus in their countries. That's allowed us to watch and track how the virus is mutating, how it's, uh, how it's spreading, and that informs whether the tools we're using, like diagnostics or therapy. Okay, the first speaker, Bill Gates, he was actually asking the question, what is the point of actually forcing all this testing when it is the 
vaccinated who are getting the diseases and, and possibly spreading it. Did he really listen to what he said? This is Mr. Bill Gates. Everyone needs to be vaccinated every six weeks. Uh, the second one was Albert Borla, who's the CEO of Pfizer. And yes, Tracy, you got that point. I'll get to that in a minute. Um, Albert Borla is talking about a new pill that Pfizer is working on, and it has a microchip in it so that when you take the pill, it'll send a signal to someone somewhere to tell you that you took the pill tell them that you took the pill. So he said, imagine the compliance. This is all about control. This is nothing to do with health. And the third person, I'm sorry, I don't know his name, but when I heard that, it was shocking to me because he said that at the time that Pfizer and Moderna started working on the vaccines, the so-called vaccines, they didn't have any virus. They, all they had was a computer code. And they made the jabs based on that computer code. So at no point did they ever test to see whether that thing that they called COVID-19 virus was implicated in an infection. They did not run tests in the healthy animals even to see whether if you injected that into the animals, it caused the symptoms of COVID-19. None of that happened. This was a computer-generated virus using a 3D printed vaccine, and all it's done is caused illness and death. It has not prevented one infection with anything because it was never intended to. It was never intended to. So. We had all these people meeting. We had the United States behind it saying, we want these 13 amendments put in. We want to give up our sovereignty. We want to make sure that the World Health Organization becomes the one world government and has total control over 194 countries. But what happened? It was defeated. You haven't seen this on any mainstream news channels, have you? Nobody knows about this. They did publish a little bit and, and you know broadcast a little bit about the treaty coming up, but not once did any of the journalists, oh God, I don't even want to call them journalists, the prostitutes um, who work for these organizations come out and say that it was defeated, but it was. And it wasn't because of Europe, and it wasn't because of the United States, and it wasn't because of any of the major countries around the world. It was because of countries in South America and in Africa and in Asia. The smaller countries said, no way, we're not gonna do it, and they defeated it. So it was a huge victory for freedom, an absolutely huge victory for freedom. And those who want to take our freedom away are running scared right now, and they should be. Um, despite the fact that they still maintain an incredible amount of control. Yes, Africa. And Megan said it was defeated, especially Africa. Yes, African nations voted against it too. Uh, so many African leaders were killed in the lead up to the COVID jab uh, because they opposed what was happening. And yeah, Africa, South America, and Southeast Asia. <laughs> Journalists, <laughs> I like that, Margie. I, I've I think I might try stealing that from you, journalists, not journalists. Yeah, probably better than prostitutes. So um, we have had one really great victory, which I'm holding on to. Um, Australia signed up. It was on TV today. I don't know what they signed up to because we were already signed up to the IHR. We were signed up a while ago. 
Um, but these, this was amending the IHR to give them more power, and that was all defeated. Yeah, Brazil, um, I forget the name of the uh, president of Brazil. Uh, oh, I can't remember his name, but he's been, he's been brilliant the whole time. Um, really, really good. So, yeah, it's, it's one of these things that we've had a good victory, but nobody knows about it. Uh, but it's only a battle that's been won. It's not the war. And we know that the people who are in power, who are telling you that you have to take these jabs and your kids that they have to take these jabs, well, they're not doing it themselves. Um, this is uh, Joe Maria Fernandez Suzafaro, which is a mouthful. He's the president of a European pharmaceutical company called Pharmamar. He's been charged by the police for uh, falsely uh, saying that he was jabbed against COVID when he wasn't. So he got a false uh, vaccination ID, you know, those green cards that they have to use in Europe. And he's one of 2,200 celebrities and elites, they call them elites, who are now being charged for getting uh, fake COVID jab cards. So it's, um, <laughs> it's, it's starting to come out. We know that a lot of the people in government who we saw very publicly taking the jabs never got them. So, uh, you know, it's, it's coming out now. These people who work in the pharmaceutical industry, chances are they're not jabbed. The, the employees of Pfizer were not required to take the jab. The employees of Moderna were not required to take the jab. The politicians in federal parliament were not required to take the jab. These people protected themselves while killing innocent Australians and their children, and they deserve to be uh, sentenced very severely for that. Here's another one. Top doctor says higher-ups were given fake vaccine cards. Um, senior doctors and CEOs in U.S. hospitals were offered fake vaccine cards when they told their hospital that they did not want the vaccine when they were mandated to take it. Um, and and they, were give, they, you know, they were offered these cards. They were said, oh, it's okay. Don't worry about it. We need you. So we'll let you get away with it. But everybody else, the nurses, the orderlies, this kitchen staff, they're going to have to take the jab because we don't need them quite as much. So this is lies built on lies built on lies. And those lies are unraveling. And even some mainstream articles are starting to come out about this. Um, Sweden... This is not necessarily a surprise, though it is a surprise for Sweden that didn't actually lock down or follow the rest of the world in um, the COVID craziness. Sweden has been caught um, with saying that if people died after the jab or they were hospitalized after the jab, unless it was two weeks or more after the jab, they were considered unvaccinated. Same thing in the United States. As far as I know, the same thing in Australia. But what's also come out from Sweden is that even if it was a second or a third or a fourth jab, if they die or are hospitalized less than two weeks after getting that jab or booster, um, they are put down as being unvaccinated. These are such egregious lies that even the mainstream is starting to report on it. And all of these things, all of these reports chip away at the trust that people have placed in doctors, in the government, in the pharmaceutical industry, and in the media.
Um, they are, was there a link to the fake COVID ID card makers? I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, and here is an article from no less than the British Medical Journal, The Unintended Consequences. And remember, all of these articles and all of these videos are in that, in that folder, the WeTransfer folder. If you go to the AVN Facebook page, you'll find the link there. So um, in this article, The Unintended Consequences of COVID-19 Policy, Why Mandates, Passports, and Restrictions May Cause More Harm Than Good. And this is a very in-depth article that says that the evidence shows that all of these steps that we took to so-called prevent uh, deaths and, and infections with COVID actually caused more deaths and problems uh, that are going to be with us for years, absolutely for years. I personally think it'll be for decades. We're going to be in for some very hard times. Um, so let me just see... I'm just looking at some of the comments. <laughs> yeah, um, Karen Shanahan is talking about Helen Clark. That name caught my eye because she was the one who was basically making excuses for the children who were killed by the measles, mumps, rubella vaccine in Samoa. Um, and yeah, she is a puppet. And I don't understand how they choose people for the World Health Organization and the World Economic Forum, but I think they choose the most compliant, ignorant, and um, the lowest common denominator that they can possibly find. So, yes, Loris, Ben Fordham on 2GB has been having some wonderful shows. I can't believe the same station that has Ray Hadley has Ben Fordham on it. I don't listen to mainstream um, radio or watch mainstream television, but a few people have shared what he's been saying with me, and it's great. I mean, he's in a big station. I know 2GB in, in Sydney. Everyone listens to it, so hopefully that's also um, that's also causing people to start to question. And with causing the questions, and we're going to be running out of time if I, oh my God, I really need to move faster. I do apologize. Um, I'm just going to skip the next two videos, but they are in that folder. So I want to talk about, right now I've talked about why and how the governments are losing control and the pharmaceutical industries are losing control. And they feel that they need to do something to get it back. They loved having that total control. Just look at Dictator Dan. I mean, he lives on forcing other people to do what they don't want to do. So right now, we're going to be seeing a move from COVID-19, which has gotten a little long in the tooth as far as things are concerned here, to most likely monkeypox. Now, I was surprised it was monkeypox. I actually thought it was going to be Ebola or something like... Um, I forgot the other one, but you know, I didn't think it was going to be monkeypox. I was very surprised about this. And the reason I was surprised is because I thought it might have been smallpox, but monkeypox is, if you listen to what the scientists say, monkeypox is a mild disease that is very difficult to catch person to person unless you're, you know, sharing bodily fluids. It's caught by sex or kissing or things like that. So it's not exactly your 
uh, average walking down the street, you sneeze and you give someone monkeypox. And even if you do get monkeypox, you don't die from it. It's not, a, it's not a serious disease. It is not like smallpox. And in fact, one day I am going to do a show on smallpox and chickenpox because they are the same disease. I dare anyone to tell me they are not. There were two types of smallpox, variola major, variola minor. Variola major had very serious symptoms. Variola minor looked just like chickenpox. And the people who got variola major and died for it, from it were generally people who were already compromised in some way. So um, monkeypox, smallpox, chickenpox, they're all the same pox diseases. So saying that we're going to have a monkeypox outbreak is rubbish, but it's rubbish in many other ways. One is, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I'll, I'll slide through this. Monkeypox, if you take the K out, it's moneypox, and that, that's why Bill Gates is smiling, because he can see the dollars, uh, and that's what that man lives on. So monkeypox, many of you would know that there was an event called Event 201 that took place in October 2019, six weeks before the first cases of COVID-19 were reported in Wuhan. And Event 201 was basically a dry run for the COVID-19 epidemic. It was run by Johns Hopkins, and it was had leaders from all around the world in New York uh, doing this planning on what would happen if there was going to be an outbreak of an infectious disease, a pandemic, something that went around the world and killed a lot of people. And the disease that they used in Event 201 as a proxy for whatever was going to be coming down the track was a novel coronavirus. You wouldn't want to read about it. And six weeks later, what happened? There was a pandemic of a novel coronavirus. Well, in November of 2021, there was a similar event run by NTI. It's the nuclear, I forget what, what it stands for. And it was exactly the same as Event 201. Only the disease they chose as a proxy was not a novel coronavirus because that was so 2020. Um, in 2021, they used monkeypox. And I'm just going to share this little snippet from one of the fake newscasts they did during the preparation. This is exactly what they did in Event 201. There are growing questions today around a new and deadly outbreak. Scientists determined that this monkeypox virus was engineered. With limited antiviral drugs and no known effective treatments, countries around the world are struggling to control another pandemic with already devastating effects. seeing far fewer cases in countries where governments took early and decisive action. 
And some international experts are urging the WHO to adopt a phased approach to warnings. How do you like that music? You know, it just gets you all excited. It's like you're watching a spy drama. Um, so that was a fake news report from GNN. Um, and it was all about monkeypox and they were saying it had been engineered because even they knew that monkeypox is not a dangerous disease. If you get it, it's bloody chickenpox and people don't die from chickenpox unless they have serious underlying conditions. Um, now, this was an article from January 2022, so January this year, talking about a side effect that's showing up up to a month after the Pfizer booster, and they're talking about shingles. Now, the shingles is caused by a virus that causes chickenpox, the same virus. It's activated, it's reactivated. If you get shingles as a child, um, sorry, if you get chickenpox as a child, that virus can lie dormant, supposedly. Again, I don't believe any of this, but that virus can lie dormant in your body. Nuclear Threat Initiative. Thank you, Freddie. I appreciate that. Um, that was what NTI stands for. I, you know, Nuclear Threat Initiative talking about and running an event like Event 201 about a viral disease. Why? Um, I don't know. And I've tried looking up their funders and it's very hidden. But anyway, the physically shingles looks very much like chickenpox, monkeypox, smallpox. It's all the same thing. So what's happening is people are getting the jab and they're turning up with shingles. And now the, the drug companies once again see dollar signs. They're thinking we're causing this with our jabs and what we can do is make money by selling another jab to help solve the problem caused by the first jab. And here's a report from um, Seven News. This is Kerry Chant, the New South Wales Chief Medical Officer. Australia has reported its first probable case of monkeypox. Here's what you need to know. A man in his 40s is now isolating at home after presenting with symptoms associated with monkeypox. Now, probable case of monkeypox, because they don't know that it's monkeypox, this man could have shingles, he could have chickenpox, he could have smallpox, he could have anything, it doesn't matter. One case of a man who's self-isolating. Obviously, he can't be that sick. He's not in hospital. Um, and this is headline news on 7. <laughs> I don't know about that, Margie. I met her many years ago, and I don't think that's true. But uh, I've heard a lot of people say this. And the lies that are being told are being found out by the people on the internet. They're doing the most amazing sleuth work. So here on the left-hand side is an article, rare monkeypox cases reported from US, first time in nearly 20 years. And they use a picture of someone's hand. Where was that picture also used? In the Queensland Health website, what is shingles? It's the exact same picture. So 
if they're using a picture of shingles to tell you about an outbreak of monkeypox, hmm, that might be time to start asking questions. And shingles is one of the very common side effects reported after the COVID jab. Um, this is the red box uh, summaries from openvares.com, openvares.com. This is tracking um, reactions to all jabs, but this specific section is only about COVID. Uh, and there have been 13,936 cases of shingles reported in the United States. Now, the underreporting factor on all of these reactions is conservatively 31 times as high as 100 times. So if we take the conservative 31 times underreported, that means 432,000 cases of shingles occurring following the jabs. Pfizer is rubbing their hands together or whoever is going to be producing these jabs uh, because they can see the money written there. And the panic has to start. Chief Health Officer Advisory from Victoria. Monkeypox case reported in Victoria. What you need to know. In Belgium, they have already introduced compulsory quarantine for 21 days if someone tests positive for monkeypox. Now, again, they're using a PCR test that can't tell anything. And I don't know if you can see, there's a world map there, and they're saying countries where monkeypox has been detected. Uh, Australia, I think, had one case. The entire country's red. The United States, Canada, Western Europe. Interestingly, monkeypox, which is supposed to be endemic in Africa, there are no cases reported in Africa. Very interesting. And again, we've got a repeat of the picture. The picture on the right is from September 2018, third case of monkeypox reported in the UK in a healthcare worker. Uh, and then on the left, the independent reports a New York City patient test positive for the virus related to monkeypox. Virus related to monkeypox. Um, it's the same picture, number one. Number two, what do they mean the virus related to monkeypox? Either the virus causes monkeypox, as they say, or there's something really wrong. So even they can't get their lies straight. And what are monkeypox symptoms? And they, they talk about monkeypox. They show a, a, a child with red cheeks, which, of course, is not normally. I've seen that very picture being used for something called Fifth's disease or slapped cheeks disease. Are you not hearing me? I'm, I sh you should be able to hear me. I just saw someone say no sound. I'm sorry. Um, frozen. Okay. If you're having problems, this will be uploaded to Rumble, Bitchute, and Brighteon, and you can watch it there. Facebook must have just caught up with us. So these, um, these pictures... Okay. Thank you, Wen. Um, refresh your screen, and this should start working again. So these photos on the right are all photos of reactions to the COVID jab. And all of these photos would probably now lead to a diagnosis of monkeypox. So they're explaining away the harm that the jab is doing. And they're also explaining away the fact that monkeypox, chickenpox, smallpox are all exactly the same. So I'm sorry some of you are having trouble hearing me. 
Now, someone asked before about HIV and the vaccine. I know I've heard about this, but again, as I said, I don't believe that any of these viruses are actually what is causing these symptoms. And there has never, ever been a case where someone has proven that if you get an HIV virus um, that is tested again using that ridiculous PCR test, that you will get AIDS. In fact, 30% of the people who were diagnosed with AIDS, which is acquired immune deficiency syndrome, have evidence of an HIV infection. 70% do not. So the majority of the people who were diagnosed with AIDS did not have any HIV. AIDS is an acquired immune deficiency syndrome. And right now, what we're seeing is something, and I didn't make this name up. This is something that's published in the medical literature, VAIDS, vaccine-acquired immune deficiency syndrome. And what this little monkey over here is saying is that monkeypox is being used to cover up end-stage VAIDS symptoms. Carpaces, Carpaces sarcoma was something that I never heard about it until the 1980s, and it was something that was associated with people who um, were diagnosed with AIDS as an extremely uh, disfiguring type of cancer, shingles, herpes, and monkeypox. Um, these are all things that are being diagnosed now as monkeypox because people who got the jab are getting them because their immune systems are being destroyed. Are they being destroyed by a virus? Absolutely not. Are they being destroyed by the many, many poisons that are in these jabs? You bet they are. And if you take poison into your body, you will be poisoned. So we need to actually look at what's happening. Will we fall for this again? I hope that you will share this information with everyone you know and tell them to look at it because sadly there are so many people who are incapable at this point in time of determining truth from fiction. I just put this in here as a matter of interest. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but this is an article from the Times in London from May 11th, 1987, where they say the smallpox vaccine triggered the AIDS virus. So smallpox vaccination, there is a couple of books written about this. Um, one of them is called The River by Edward Hopper and another one called The White Death. These are the ones I've read. There's probably more. The White Death by, uh, he was a, a science reporter for the Australian. I can't remember his name, but they're both well worth reading. And they talk about how the use of the smallpox vaccine, which was contaminated with all these animal uh, viruses and pathogens and everything from the monkeys that they were cultured on, um, actually caused AIDS. And I don't think you would have seen this article another year down the track because that was all being covered up. So we're seeing history repeating itself. Um, I'm going to skip that video. Here's another article. Again, this article is in the folder. All these videos that I'm skipping are in the folder. Uh, Britain offers the smallpox shop as monkeypox cases spread in Europe. So smallpox, if you listen to the science, is a completely different virus from monkeypox. So how can we prevent monkeypox by using a smallpox vaccine? Um, was anyone watching this on Telegram? I didn't know if it was working there or not. Kelly, were you watching this on Telegram? It would be good to know if you wouldn't mind telling me. It would, it, I was really hoping it was working, but I have no idea. 
Um, it's just like every year we need to have a new flu vaccine, even though influenza is influenza, because these slight changes in the uh, DNA uh, that's in the vaccine or the RNA that's in the vaccine in the case of COVID, these slight changes mean that the vaccine won't be effective. But you can use a smallpox jab against a monkeypox infection, pull the other one. But despite all of this, the countries are out there running for these jabs. Trudeau in Canada is buying 27 billion doses of Pfizer's new non-dangerous monkeypox vaccine. And they have two cases in Canada. This is uh, Canada's public health is considering monkeypox vaccination in Quebec. And you can bet your boots that as soon as they bring this in, it's going to be mandated. Um, Dr. Stephanie Seneff, again, who I've spoken with before in the past and who I mentioned before when she was talking about the prion diseases, she is saying that uh, the monkeypox is not pathogenic um, unless a certain signaling um, in the interferon of the body is changed in some way and that the messenger RNA vaccines make those exact changes in the body, meaning that you are more likely to be infected and to get a serious case of monkeypox. Again, I don't believe that it is monkeypox. I do believe it's the poison in the vaccine, but I could be proven wrong. And the United States is also buying monkeypox jabs. So they have a smallpox vaccine that's been around a while, but it looks like Pfizer, through the magic of 3D printing vaccines, is also uh, going to be issuing a smallpox jab uh, in a very short time. So you can rest easy that the smallpox jab is going to be coming out. Now, I know I've seen a few people here saying, what can we do? I love this t-shirt. I want to get this printed up. I cannot tell my kids I did nothing. They're talking about myocarditis in the United States. In 2019, in the age group 12 to 20, there were four cases reported. In the year 2020, before the jab was authorized for 5 to 11-year-olds, four cases were reported. In 2021, when adults, sorry, when uh, 5 to 11-year-olds and teenagers were targeted with the jabs, 2,236 cases of myocarditis were reported. That is not an accident. That is not a coincidence. That is the cause of the jab. And we cannot do nothing. So what can we do? And it's a great thing. Oh, you know what? That is a great idea, Angela. Angela Mitchell's just suggested that I get a live chat with uh, Gerard Rennick on the show. I would love to do that. Um, I've spoken with, um, with, uh, with him in person, but I've never had him on the show. And I think that would be an excellent thing. Thank you for the suggestion. And I will get on to him tomorrow and see if we can get him on the show. Great idea. So there are lots of things that we can do. I want you to know that I believe, my personal belief, that the results of this last election were the, were the result of voter fraud in Australia. We had over a million people in Canberra in February marching against mandates, marching against the governments, Labour, Liberal, Greens, Nationals. They were not all of the people in Australia who did not want this. They were representing probably 20% of the people in Australia who did not want this. 
So we have a situation where I believe our government is completely illegitimate and where they will do whatever they can get away with. Um, oh, okay, it is running on Telegram. Thank you, Kelly. I appreciate that. Sorry, I didn't mean to. I told you I'm easily distracted. Um, selection, not election. Yep, Conway, absolutely. I agree with you 100%. So how do we, how do we, I was counting on a lot of independents getting in. I was counting on the people who were Freedom Party representatives getting in, and that didn't happen. So we're in a situation now where we cannot look to the government to help us. We cannot look to um, the people who we would normally look to, the people who we have a social contract with to represent us and to protect our, our rights. We can't look to them to do that. We can only look to ourselves. And it is time, and it's difficult in a socialist country like Australia. And a lot of you think, oh, Australia is not a socialist country. Australia is a socialist country. It's not communist China. It's not the former Soviet Union. It is a socialist country. Too many people here count on the government for their life, for their livelihood, for their medical care, for their food. We need to stop doing that. We need to start relying on each other. I've spoken with people since the floods up here. Now, I live in northern New South Wales. Um, we have Lismore, Mwilambaugh, Karakai. These areas were devastated by the floods. When people were sitting on their roofs, when they were sitting inside of their roofs, drowning, the government did nothing. The SAS did nothing. Um, nobody helped these people except the people in the community. And the people in the community are the only ones who can do what is needed now. And what is needed, I believe, my personal belief, is to ignore the government, to ignore the whole thing, and to start parallel societies where we have communities the same way we used to, the way we used to have families that would you know, live on farm areas and, and help each other out. We need to have communities, whether it's in a city or in a rural area or outback, it doesn't matter. We need to have communities with people that we know, people that we trust, people we can rely on. And if we stand together in our communities, there is absolutely nothing that the government can do. Um, they can go off in Canberra, in, in Sydney, in Brisbane, they can do whatever they want. Uh, but as our communities grow, we will bring in more people, the people in the military, the people in the police force, the people in the hospital system. These people are over it. They are completely over it. And yes, Pam said community needs to stick together, be there for each other. Absolutely. This is what community means. And I don't know if you realize this, but before the COVID scandemic started, over the last 20 years, what the governments around the world have been trying to do is to break down our communities, to break down the nuclear family, and to get rid of us relying on each other. They wanted us to simply rely on them. You will own nothing and be happy means they will own everything and they'll be incredibly ecstatic. So we need to absolutely, Leanne, we need to take nothing from the criminal government. Get off the government teat. Find a way to do it. So many people I know said, oh, I need to take this jab because of my job, and they didn't do it. 
and they lost their job and they found another job almost immediately. There are people crying out for workers in Australia now. We need to go and find the jobs that will support us, the jobs that will respect us, the jobs that will not tell us what we have to do with our own bodies. And we can do that. Margie said she's been bar bartering and trading since the 1970s, and that's brilliant. And in our community up here in the Northern Rivers, we have lists of people. So if you, let's say you might be, you have chickens and you grow potatoes and sweet potatoes, but you need lettuce and you need herbs, they will say, well, XYZ over there up the road has lettuce and herbs, but they need potatoes and sweet potatoes and they could really use some eggs. You can find a way to trade with each other. And I don't know if you've seen what Dictator Dan has done in Victoria, and I'm sure it's unconstitutional, but he did it anyway. He has made it illegal to, um, to grow food for yourself, and he has made it illegal to trade or to share um, game meat. So let's say you go out and shoot a deer, and you have more venison than you need. You can't give some of it to your neighbor or your uncle or your friend up the street. Uh, you can't do any of that because they see what's happening. They want to break down the communities. They want to take away our right to feed our families and to live the way that we want to live. So we need to find a way around that, and we have it. That way is community. So don't sit there and feel like you can't talk to your neighbors. You can't talk to your friends. Find your community. Um, there are groups all around Australia. I've said this many, many times before. If you go to the AVN website, avn.org.au, and you send us an email through the contact form and say, I would like to be put in contact with the people in my area. I live in, give your suburb, your state, give your phone number, give your, well, you don't need to give your email address because it'll be on there anyway. But if you can give your social media, you know, Facebook or whatever, so that they can look you up because these are, uh, they want to make sure that they vet everyone before they help them. But there are people out there who are waiting to help everyone and waiting to get your help too. So we need to absolutely make sure that we are in our communities. We are we know who we, who we can count on. We know who we can't count on, and that's the government. And we are growing because as we grow bigger in our communities and stronger in our communities, the government will grow weaker and they will lose more power. And that is what they fear more than anything in the world. And it's something that only we can do. Only we can do this, and we can. We just need to not give up and we need to be proactive. So there's one other thing that I want to cover before I leave, and that is the next Vaxxed Tour. The Vaxxed Tour starts um, on the 1st of July. Now, I thought I had... Okay, I know. I, on the AVN Facebook page, I put a link to the folder where you can download all the information from tonight, but I also put a link to where you can book uh, to tell your story on the Vaxxed Tour and to also um, come and meet the bus. Now, I was really shocked because 
there was a, a person on another page who said, what is this vax? Are you going out there and vaccinating people? And this is someone who's been involved in the community for a while. So I was surprised that there were people who didn't already know about the vaxed movement. And we've got, if you go to our website, avn.org.au, and on the search bar at the top, just type in vaxed movement, you will find a lot of information and you will find our previous interviews. Um, the the vaxed movement started in the United States by Dr. Andrew Wakefield, who many of you may know, Del Big Del Big Tree from the High Wire, and Polly Tommy, um, who is the mother of a vaccine injured son, uh, Billy, and they they got a bus together and they went around the country and they've collected probably close to ten thousand stories of people who've been vaccine injured and stories of people who didn't take the jab and what their experience has been. And um, they have published two documentaries, Vaxxed, um, from Cover Up to Catastrophe, which is Vaxxed 1, and Vaxxed the People's Truth, which is Vaxxed 2. The AVN sells both of those documentaries on DVD, and if you haven't watched them, I highly recommend you do it. Um, they're, they're great, and they are... I cannot imagine anyone watching these films and at least thinking that there might be a problem and they need to look into vaccination before they make any more decisions. The AVN got a vaxxed bus two years ago. We haven't been out on the road as much as we would like to have been uh, because of COVID, because of all the border lockdowns. But we are starting again with a new vax bus because unfortunately in the flooding in northern New South Wales, our beautiful vax bus was destroyed. So we got a new vax bus. It is currently being wrapped with the, um, as you saw before, it's going to look very much like this. It's just slightly bigger. Um, my favorite part is on the other side. It says we are not government property. And my absolute favorite part is the rear bumper where it says um, uh, sponsored by the members of the AVN because without the members of the AVN, we never would have been able to do this. Right now, we have interviewed over 400 families um, who have either lost someone to a jab or have seriously injured, uh, vaccine injured family members, whether it's children, parents, whatever, and equally about 400 people who did not take the jabs and what their experience has been. And we are planning on making a documentary uh, at the end of our tour. Now that we've started again, we're going to go all around the country. So for this first tour, we're starting in Mullaney and ending up in Dubbo. Uh, you can see all the locations on our website. And you can book in to tell your story or to just come and meet the bus and see the VAX team. And I, we really would love to meet you. So please do. Please um, make sure that you book in to come and see the bus because the only way you're going to know where we are is if you book in. Um, that's how we keep everybody safe and uh, keep the trolls away. So uh, we need to make sure that everybody's aware of this because I was shocked that there were people in our community who, wouldn't, who weren't aware, absolutely weren't aware that the AVN's been doing this. The other thing is if you are not a member of the AVN, and I don't say this very often, I hate the sales pitch, but we need the members. We need people to support us because we're out there supporting everyone. Um, we've raised the price of our membership recently. Uh, we have so many calls upon our services right now and we needed the extra funds. So membership is $50 for the year. 
Um, we do have monthly meetings where people who are members can come and ask questions. It's a Q&A. We are out all the time talking to people. We are answering questions. We are helping. We're lobbying government, doing whatever we can. So when you go to our website, please look at the link that says join and join the AVN if you can. If, if you are in a position where you simply can't, hey, that's fine. We are not saying that everyone has to join. But if you are able to join, we would really appreciate your joining. And we would really appreciate your coming to see us on the road too. After this New South Wales tour, we'll be doing uh, the further south New South Wales to Albury, Wodonga, and then two tours through Victoria, then Tasmania, South Australia, Western Australia, across the top to the Northern Territory, and then down the Queensland coast again, or we may go inland. I really want to go to, um, where's the place that uh, Qantas started? I can't remember the name of it. I'm thinking Lightning Ridge, but it's not. Anyway, um, we, we will be going to all of the places that we can possibly get the bus, and we would love to meet all of you there. So thank you so much for joining us tonight. We had a really wonderful turnout. I'm so glad that this worked on Telegram. Uh, that's the first time we've got it to work there. And I think it did work on the AVN website as well. I'll have to check that out. But um, yeah, Long Reach, thank you. Not Lightning Ridge, Long Reach. I appreciate it. Um, so yeah, uh, we, we would love to go to all those, you know, inner... Queensland towns as well. We've already done the coast, so we might come down through the middle uh, next time. And uh, I also want to get to Alice Springs and Catherine and all those places that we never get to actually see and they never actually get the support. So we need to be able to do that. So guys, thank you so much. Yeah, Cafe Lockdown. I mean, I he interviewed me um, uh, on one of his shows about two weeks ago around there and I just love what he's been doing with his deplorables tour. Um, we are not coming to Newcastle this time, Vicki. We went to Newcastle last time. Uh, we're going to be in Dubbo, which I understand is a couple of hours west of Newcastle. So please be sure to come and see us if you'd like in, in Dubbo. We're there for two days. And I cannot wait to get to Darwin. I've never been to the Northern Territory. I have family up there, and I'm really looking forward to it. And the, the bus is just wonderful. Uh, what is the Telegram site called? Um, hang on a second. Uh, it's, I think it's just Australian Vaccination. Let me see. It is uh, AVN Informed Choice. So it's t.me forward slash AVN Informed Choice, all one word. AVN Informed Choice. So if you can't find us, just look for that. And, um, oh, thank you. Tony says he saw the interview on Cafe Lockdown. I had such a nice time talking with him. You know, we were sort of just relaxed and chatting together. Um, and yeah, they're doing great work. I, I met him briefly in Canberra, uh, but we didn't get a chance to talk. So yeah, we need the freedom groups to join to make it bigger and stronger, all working for the same outcome. And the thing is, the freedom groups are working together. It's just that we're, we're working, we are different groups, but we are working together. We've had the support of parents with questions, Children's Health Defense Australia, uh, Reignite Democracy. All of these groups are working with us. So it's not like we're separate. We are working together. So... 
Oh, no, um, Maura, you haven't missed us on the Gold Coast. We're going to be on the Gold Coast on July 7th. Now, we've already done the Sunshine Coast, the Gold Coast, Brisbane, and Toowoomba, but um, we're going to be doing them again because we had so many people who missed us last time that we had to start there. Uh, but we're not coming down on the New South Wales coast. We're going inland this time because uh, there's a lot of people who uh, want to see us out there. And we can't be in both places at one time. So, yeah, we will, we will do the coast again, but it probably won't be for a year or more until we come back to this area. And God knows how many kilometers we'll have on the Vaxxed bus by then. <laughs> So please come and see us on the Gold Coast. Go to our website and book in. And um, yeah, so, okay, I'm just trying to see. Wonderful that we have so many great groups working for us. Yep, absolutely. Are we coming to Sydney? No, Helen, we've been to Sydney before. Like I said, we're not coming to the coast. The closest to Sydney we're going to be is probably Dubbo. We will be going through Canberra, I'm pretty sure, when we come back after our break. So it'll be about, it's a bit over three weeks, this first part of the tour. And then I'll be taking three to four weeks off and then going back to Dubbo to pick up the bus and going down to Albury Rodongo. We're going to go inland. So all the towns there. And I think we pass through or close to Canberra. So we'll probably go to Canberra while we're there. Um, and yeah, hold the line. Absolutely. Do I have an older sister? I have two older sisters. Um, one of them passed away, but I do have two older sisters. Uh, why? Do you think you know them? Where are you, Adam? Both of them are in the U.S., so um, unless you're in the U.S., I don't think you would have met them. So, all right, everyone, it has been a long under the wire. Thank you so much for sticking with me for all this time, and um, I will see you next Sunday night. Uh, I think we're going to have a special guest. I'm just confirming it this week. I'm going to try. If I can get Senator Gerard Rennick, I'll see if I can get him on midweek. So watch this space, and we'll see how we go. I think that was a brilliant suggestion. Thank you for making it. And, um, oh, Gippsland. Definitely we're coming to Gippsland. Absolutely. Absolutely. I want to go all through um, Victoria. I definitely want to go to Moi. We've got a lot of people in Moi. Uh, I want to go to Bendigo, and if I can work it, I'd love to go to Bendigo in August <laughs> for the Bendigo Woolen Festival, but <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think we'll be there that soon. So, um, yeah, I'd love to meet all of you while we're on the road, and I want to thank all of you for coming to Under the Wire tonight. Have a great week, and I'll see you soon. Take care. Bye-bye.